Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 223 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today you are joining us for a comprehensive overview of keto pitfalls. So as you all know, we talk keto all the time, and with this most recent launch of our 12-week food as medicine keto class, we have tackled all the common roadblocks once again, and we want to put together and share 10 of them with you all, as I'm sure two to three might be a big aha moment, even for those who've been doing keto for a long time. Yes, I feel like you and I, Becky, even cycle through all of these pitfalls. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> At any given time. Right. There's, of course, those non-caloric sweetener ones yeah. that will come up that we would never. Not going to happen. <laughs> yes. But, but you know, the, the elements of being intuitive versus too married to your macros, not getting enough protein, having too much fat. I don't want to give them all away just yet, but we're going to cover so much ground in today's episode. And like you said, I think that all of you will have a little bit of way of recalibrating. As always, this is a journey. And we're looking at this not as a one plus two equals three perfect calculation. We're looking at using nutritional ketosis as a way to tap into your body's innate ability to function as a fat burning machine. You know, the body really, Becky and I believe, is designed to be a hybrid using both glucose and ketones as a fuel source. And a couple episodes back, two episodes ago, in episode 221, we rebuttaled Jillian Michaels' dark side of keto and got nerdy on telomeres and antioxidants and how keto can actually be anti-aging or at least extend quality of life and reduce inflammation. So if you want to get nerdy with us and you missed that one, go back to episode 221. But today will be more light, conversational, and action-oriented. All right, so before we jump into this jam-packed episode, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth. Yes, so y'all know that we are big fans of bone broth in general. I've been calling it a facelift of the gut for now about 10 years because that gelatin and collagen and L-glutamine can really aid in sealing and repairing leaky gut, also in supporting connective tissues. And we're talking about hair, skin, and nails. That collagen and gelatin can be very therapeutic. And L-glutamine, which is an amino acid found in broth, can aid with actually feeding your gut cells, supporting more of a sustained gut recovery. And glycine, also found in bone broth, can aid in body fat burn. So we use bone broth all the time throughout our homes and as a cooking liquid to aid with vegetable saute as well as sipping. But a lot of clients beyond, you know, the broths that they make at home with their chicken and beef knuckles get a little burned out on hot meat juice. And that's where fond bone broth really takes things to the next level. They are like an artisanal blend of broths that are really wellness, well-made. They are slow simmered and lovingly tendered from simmer to seal. They use stainless steel vats and well water that is tested daily for excellence. And then they source from organic 
farms for the produce that's used in their blends and they use free range chicken backs and feet so you you do get that collagen and gelatin jiggle in every jar and what's more all of the broths are blended to have like what we believe in food as medicine these synergistic blends of functional ingredients that work together to take the broth to the next level so we're looking at anti-inflammatory add-ins like the turmeric and cracked black pepper or we're looking at aiding in vasodilation as we go into like valentine season with the beets and hot peppers in the serrano blend and so much more go on over to fondbonebroth.com use the code ally miller rd at checkout or go to fondbonebroth.com slash ally miller rd and that's how you'll let them know that you learned about uh, them through the Naturally Nourished podcast, and you'll also save on your order. Um, again, this is the type of broth that you can enjoy sipping on as an elixir and also see as like an elevated sous chef, adding flavor profile to your dish beyond just the therapeutic effect. So go on over to fondbonebroth.com and use Allie Miller RD. Yes, love them. And I actually just recently started a subscription, so I wouldn't run out finally. So I'm going to come into my door any day now, actually. Awesome. Do you do a 12-pack every, yeah. every month? Every other month, but okay. it'll probably increase to every month yeah. um, now that I'm home and, and settled in from the holidays. Totally, totally. And I would just say before we go into the meat of today's episode, last call or shout out, we ended up opening an extra 25 spots in our 12-week virtual food as medicine class. So we kicked off last Wednesday, oh, two Wednesdays ago, y'all will be listening to this well, I don't know what date we're talking about. The 18th, I believe yep. this will be released. And so this week will be class two on this Wednesday if you're listening to this live. Either way, the class started on January 6th and you can sign up all the way until the end of the month of January to still get in on this round. And then the next class will not be until, what is that, May? April? No, May. 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 Yeah. So if you're looking to get on things in 2021 and really get on top of your health and learn about functional medicine from hormones to detox to leaky gut to... uh, Um, looking at the dysbiosis and gut connection with the microbiome and so much more, check out AllieMillerRD slash ketosis hyphen class where you can be empowered with using food as medicine and how to have the ketogenic diet work best for you and your body. Yes, there's so much good energy in this class. I think everyone's been kind of pent up, cooped up in their houses too long and and really wanting to see a shift. So we've seen some really good action so far from participants in our Slack program as they're getting started and getting fat adapted. Yeah, and we're just starting to kind of figure it out ourselves. Now I'm using more of like the recipe section and sharing. I shared Stella's lunch I packed last Thursday and a lot more images and sharing in that sense. And it's so fun to have a private communication panel to really form everyone's questions from supplements and labs to hormones to fasting to macros to recipe inspiration and so much more. All right, let's do it. So y'all know we love keto and we truly use it for a foundation for so many functional medicine interventions. In fact, episode 99 was keto as medicine, and we covered how a well-formulated ketogenic diet can support everything from anxiety to infertility, inflammation, neurological conditions, muscle sparing and fat burning, reduction of cravings and help with binge eating disorder, 
antioxidant capacity, diabetes, cancer, so much more. I'll link that episode as a really helpful one, but there are so many reasons we love keto. Yeah. And you know what we don't really dig into a lot in that episode, which we could do a whole nother like keto is medicine part two is all of the autoimmune. We, we do hit on neurological in the sense of like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's. And we hit on that GABA connection and the inflammation connection in the gut brain access. But I think we could do a whole even deep dive on autoimmune processes that we use keto for, as well as gut. You know, um, pretty much most of my clients that are dealing with inflammatory bowel disease, I will start on some form of specific carbohydrate diet, which does overlap with a nutritional ketosis when done in a sense that you're being mindful of the starches that are allowed or the carbohydrate sources that are allowed. And the magic to that is that when we go lower carb, we're able to also support that starve off of dysbiotic bacteria or that overgrowth of imbalanced yeast or pathogen in the gut. And so there is that reset button, even for IBS and IBD. I think that there's so many mechanisms of action of being able to go into a nutritional ketogenic state. And like I said, I really believe that that's the way that the body was designed to work. Yes. I made a note for a future episode, so we'll we'll make sure to get that into our plans for 2021. Um, we've also covered episode 47 was our first foray into keto pitfalls. Um, episode 100, five ways to solve your keto slump. So this was more troubleshooting, maybe some of the negative side effects that you might see um, when you transition into keto or you know if you're doing something that um, maybe isn't quite right with your keto, such as bowel changes, gut inflammation, um, troubleshooting hormones in that episode. And then more recently, 187, we did top keto fails and how to recover. So we're definitely due for another pitfalls episode. I know. Goodness. 47. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Who, when, when and where was that? <laughs> Goodness. 2016, I think that was, right? Yeah. Would have had I, to have been. Yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> Probably breastfeeding Stella between uh, takes. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh. And that was way back in my first 10 episodes or so. No, I started at like 43. Yeah. So it was within my first 10. Who knows what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode will be light. And like I said, a lot of action orientation. Becky and I are just going to kind of jive on 10 keto pitfalls. And also we'll share with you guys what we've learned along the way personally and any anecdotes or or like breakthrough moments we've had with clients within the constructs of these 10. So let's let it rip. All right. So number one, too much fat. And I think this one, you know, I see all the time in clinic when I'm reviewing a food record, maybe with a client who's in our keto program and didn't get the best results or um, someone who's come in on keto and, and, you know, isn't seeing the weight loss that they're looking for, I'll look at a food record and be like, what is this bulletproof coffee with five tablespoons of fat in it? Right. So often- 700, 800 calories of fat plus 135 calories per tablespoon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather uh, eat a steak and some Brussels sprouts with some butter on top. Yes. Yes. When you're getting much different, obviously nutritional variety, if you're getting steak, you're going to get that Mm -hmm. L-carnitine, which actually helps you produce ketones. If you're getting Brussels, you're going to support detox process with indole-3-carbinols, get some fiber. So I'm all about, we're both all about chewing our food when possible. And it's so funny that a lot of people, when they search the word keto, they get these archaic guides of macros that are based on, you know, epilepsy Mm -hmm. and a really tight four to one 
threshold, which just is not necessary for most individuals to still make a therapeutic amount of ketones and still get that antioxidant boosting, anti-inflammatory, and body composition change benefit that they're looking to see. And I think that last point is the most important. When you're doing keto for body composition change, you know, we talk about in our class one of our program how calories aren't king in the sense that, again, we're not this calculator of, um, you know, input output equaling results necessarily, but calories do count. And so you can't be in a chronically overfed state and expect to see weight loss. Right. You do have to be in a catabolic uh, state where there is a deficit sit and ideally you want to enhance your body on a nutritional level and through lifestyle so maybe practicing things like intermittent fasting or sauna or HIIT training so you want to do things that actually drive metabolic shifts or stress in the system that actually aid in accessing the body fat as the primary source of fat for the ketogenic diet not that we're consuming fat especially if we're looking again for body composition change so if looking to lose body fat, you need to definitely bring down those carbohydrates to be able to make that secondary substrate of ketones. And you might eat higher fat. Don't you think Becky, like in the first uh, seven to 14 days, like one to two weeks, especially if you're coming from a higher carb paleo or even worse, a standard American diet, you know, where you're getting processed foods and high carb, there's a really dynamic shift that occurs when you go ketogenic. And so you do want to maintain with ample fat, teaching your body, use the fat as fuel. Uh, But once you get past that like 10, 14 day threshold, you should really recalibrate and, and likely if you're looking for body fat loss, bring your fat grams down. And also in our program, we have these like hard stops, hard, hard max, hard minimum for a lot of people, um, you know, like standard women that are going from five foot two to five foot seven, I'd say even maybe five foot six is an easier cutoff. We probably don't want to go over 130 grams of fat ever. Um, and for men, we even talk about upwards of the 200 world exception of the very high intensive athletes that are, you know, professional, like, you know, BMX riders or football players and things like that, then they may get up to 250 grams of total fat. But the problem is when we're over fat feeding, not only can that disturb our weight gain process and and, and or, or disturb our weight loss and drive weight gain, right? You can gain weight while making ketones. Sure. I think that's a misnomer. Yeah. But it, it can stress the liver. Um, you know, remember that the liver has to process all of that fat, and the liver is also the organ that makes the ketones. So in, in order to support the higher fat diet, we look at finding a threshold in, in a sense that you are fat dominant per se, but your fat gram consumption could be equivalent to that of your grams of protein as a general maybe conceptual rule of thumb. Because remember that fat grams are double the calories plus of your protein and carbs. So protein and carbs are four calories per gram, whereas fat is nine calories per gram. So your plan might look like you know less than 30 grams of carbs, 85 grams of protein and 85 grams of fat that would still be fat dominant but would probably be much more appropriate than going for 60 grams of protein and 130 grams of fat like many pie charts or macro wheels would be developed yep i think that's a a really really good point and then even potentially you know due to the taxation on on the liver um, with that higher fat if you're struggling with digestion um, when you go fat fueled, I think a really good supplement to potentially bring in would be our digestate. Now, this is one that we recommend 
especially to folks who either don't have a gallbladder or struggle with gallbladder stagnation or in the past haven't done well on super high fat. So I think that could be a really good tool as you're kind of easing in, especially in those initial weeks if you're having any trouble digesting fat. Right. So digestate will have the lipase in there, which is the enzyme to break down lipids. And there also is going to be ox bile in there. And so it does offset if you have, like you said, gallbladder stagnation or don't have a gallbladder, then most definitely you'd want to use digestate at least at your two primary meals daily. But there's also such a synergistic blend of digestive enzymes that help to break down even vegetable fibers, as well as aiding in protein breakdown. There's a betaine hydrochloric acid in there, which can regulate your stomach pH. So if weaning off a PPI like Nexium or Protonix, Digestaid can be a really great way to basically give your stomach as a cauldron, that's kind of how I think of it, all of the compounds that it needs when food hits the belly to perfectly break things down into a slurry so that your intestines don't get as inflamed from foods and that you're able to best absorb the nutrients and cause least stress to the GI tract. So Becky and I, although we're quite fat adapted, anytime we're dining out in a restaurant or if I'm doing like double meat on a burger and going a little heavier on a meal, I'm always going to give myself one to two digested at that heavier meal. And then anytime I dine out, because there's also DPP-4 in our digestate enzyme blend, which really sets it above the mark of your standard digestive enzyme formulas, having that hydrochloric acid, the ox bile, the comprehensive enzymes, and then that DPP-4, because this breaks down any exposure to casein, which is the inflammatory protein in dairy, as well as the uh, inflammatory compounds in gluten, the gliadin. Yes. So for all of those reasons and beyond, that's why that supplement is in our keto essentials bundle, which is the one bundle that we usually recommend to, you know, all participants, if they do want to start on supplements within our program, having that digested, and then we'll get to the other supplements here in a moment. Um, so for this pitfall, be wary, I think of the like fat bombs, be wary of the bulletproof coffee with heaping tablespoons of fat and really, you know, try to tap in and listen to those satiety signals of your body versus chasing this super high fat macro. Absolutely. And I would say, if not hungry, don't force it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so many questions that we answer, right? It's 8 p.m. I still have 20 grams of fat to get in. What should I do? Go to sleep. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if, read if, a book. If you're if looking for body fat to burn, then your body's got that 20 it's, grams and then some in the deep freeze. told you that it's all good. Yep. So keep on moving. Yep. <laughs> All right. Number two, this is a big one also, um, that we see in our program. So relying in ex on exogenous ketones or BHB products, these like keto powders and potions and drinks and things that we see out there. Right. Prove it. And yes. there's so many different yep. brands out there. And, uh, you know, I think that it's intriguing because BHB has been shown, so beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is, you know, a compound within the ketone body. Uh, these have been shown in many studies to enhance when compared in a double-blind placebo um, randomized controlled trial to enhance cognitive function. And so it is of benefit to get ketones 
flowing through your bloodstream. But the question is, if you're looking for other benefits of nutritional ketosis, including, like I mentioned, the gut reset button, you know, reducing inflammation to the gut and supporting the microbiome. If you're looking for the hormone changes of maybe making a shift with PCOS or infertility, and you really want to get that pituitary impact in the brain, or if you're looking for a hormone change of reducing estrogen dominance or enhancing testosterone expression, we're not going to get these metabolic influences in the body by just having BHB circulating through our bloodstream. That's not the end stage of the game. The goal is to teach the body to produce the ketones so that you actually get the metabolic, neurological, inflammatory, antioxidant, and cognitive enhancing benefits that we get from ketone bodies. So by just taking a product that gives us that end product, it makes it really difficult then to determine what is a successful diet, what are successful lifestyles shifts because if you're measuring your ketones you're only measuring what you're putting in your mouth or you know drinking or whatnot or taking as a capsule you're not measuring what your body's doing metabolically so we are much bigger fans with functional medicine to teach the body to do the work so we want to see if you're producing ketones and then we want to use something like our boost and burn which is also a tool within our keto essentials bundle because it has l-carnitine and l-carnitine in a two gram dose, which is often if you're looking at carnitine supplements, that's like 10 plus capsules. So we like doing this in a liquid form where you can do one to two teaspoons and you're getting that, you know, two gram or 2000 milligram dosage of L-carnitine. Carnitine actually drives the fat shuttle of metabolism that produces ketones, aiding to bring fat into that mitochondria and aid in that production pathway. So that also enhances uh, energy can support chronic fatigue, muscle wasting. Uh, we see that when carnitine levels are optimized, the individual is better able to produce ketones. So again, we want to give you the nutrient to teach your body to do the work versus the end product. And we see for those that are getting started and have really stubborn insulin resistance, maybe history of diabetes, um, various um, pharmaceutical drugs in their system, they can have really resistance into producing ketones. So this is where Boost and Burn can be great off the bat. But also Boost and Burn can be a great tool if you've been fat adapted and have been making ketones and now over time you're starting to get depletion of that L-carnitine um, to help to kind of re-rev your system or use occasionally if the keto diet is something that you're doing as a maintenance plan. Yeah, I think that's a really good point on just letting your body do the work, right? I've seen these products kind of sold as a uh, rescue, if you will, or, you know, something you can use if you've had like a cheat day or a cheat weekend or a cheat meal. And I think that just perpetuates this, you know, cycle of, of, you know, getting in and out of ketosis and it really can screw up our metabolism. Most definitely. And it, it makes you lose sight of, again, what the outcomes are, sure. like what is the end goal? You know, if you're, if you're putting a BHB drink next to a bowl of pasta, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get the weight loss effects, the testosterone boosting effect, or a lot of the other mechanisms of action that you're looking to achieve. Exactly. Right. And you could still get diabetes. Yep. <laughs> so exactly. That's not good. Yep. Excess substrate is excess substrate, and we want your body to do the work, period. Yes. Um, all right. So pitfall number three, asking, is this keto. So with regards to a, you know, real food like banana or 
dates. We get that all the time when we post a new keto um, treat recipe. So like a banana, you know, um, in 12 muffins or even half a banana or using dates as a sweetener, we'll often get people who are like, oh, I ketofied this for you and, and added a non-caloric sweetener, which we'll get to that in a moment. But asking is a food keto. Yeah. I think one of my favorite memes is the like Batman Robin yeah. mean <laughs> meme that we did where, uh, Robin's like, wait, is that keto? And Batman's like slapping him and is like, keto is a metabolic state, not a yes or no food <laughs> list. And I always joke, you know, the question should be if someone asks me, oh, is that keto or can that be made keto? Um, I think the first question we should always ask is, is this a real food or a chemical shitstorm? You know, regardless of whether we're looking at being low glycemic, whether we're looking at just an anti-inflammatory diet or nutritional ketosis, regardless, the first question should be, is this a real food? Because if the answer is no, then move on and don't eat it. If it is a real food, then the answer is yes, anything can be keto sure. based on the portion and based on your metabolic flexibility. So, right, this is not a myopic tunnel vision yes or no food list this is a can my body still use fat as fuel when consuming said ingredient or said food in this um, synergy or this distribution so like you mentioned Becky we use dates in the avocado brownies in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook and we soak two to three dates in there and those blend with cacao and you know there's nut flour as the base of that with the avocado and the coconut oil in there and so it still is a fat dominant recipe even um, and then you know those carbohydrates are likely for most people still going to keep you in a keto state because they're not substantial and there is quality whole food fiber and it is still a fat dominant recipe now the portion of the brownie if you ate the whole pan sure. would not be keto like <laughs> if you have one square following a meal where you're doing a salad with wild salmon and maybe some other veg in there that would likely work just beautifully for you um, and so the big thing that I'm kind of discerning is again is this a whole real food because we want you to get nutritional density in your selections. We cover this in episode 118 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, Real Food Keto and Natural Sweeteners. And that's where I break down a table that I made in the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, which actually shows like, okay, if you're having banana, you're getting things like B6 in there. And the B6 has been shown to support production of serotonin, right? We also know in banana is a little bit of bromelain, and bromelain can enhance testosterone expression. We also know in the banana we're getting um, fructooligosaccharides and prebiotic fibers, so we're supporting a healthy, robust microbiome. However, as we discuss in episode 89 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, we hate non-caloric sweeteners because there's so many different mechanisms of how they can interfere with our metabolism. And we will get into that because I made that its own pitfall because this is kind of more on, you know, chemical-ish storms, if you will. And, you know, is this a whole food or is this keto? And I'll, I'll unpack the why we hate non-caloric sweeteners as a separate pitfall, if you will. Got it. And yeah, to that point you know, falling for keto on the label, I think could honestly be its own pitfall. But um, in that world of asking is something keto, be wary of the label keto on a bar or a shake or a product that you buy, because chances are it's got a whole laundry list of that chemical 
ish storm (laughs) stuff in it. (laughs) And if you have a history from using products, you know, uh, no shame in the game, of course, but if you've used prepackaged shakes or, um, you know, protein packed snacks or um, a lot of the like weight loss products that are available under various company names, be mindful that you likely are dealing with some level of gut inflammation because a lot of these products, like we had grabbed one for our segment um, on the YouTube channel and it had corn fiber. Soluble corn fiber was the majority of the density of Mm -hmm. the product itself and it had the word keto on there, right? Um, And we also have to watch out for like soy protein isolates in a lot of these weight loss products and a lot of them even have gluten as a primary ingredient. So if your gut is kind of off and you're dealing with some what I call like fluffiness or just like a generalized state of gut inflammation and maybe you're having some digestive distress, you might consider using the GI lining support. Um, This is what we use as a tool with our MRT protocol, which is that uh, inflammatory food blood test that we do looking at 170 foods and chemicals and what drives inflammation in the individual. Um, But GI lining support has three powerful ingredients. So it has DGL, which is diglycerized licorice root. Uh, This can aid with cooling heartburn, also aiding with ulcerations, like if an individual has gastritis or has known leaky gut or inflammatory bowel concerns. The DGL paired with the aloe and the L-glutamine in this product is a really powerful trifecta to coat and protect the gut lining. It provides this mucilaginous delivery of L-glutamine, which I mentioned in the fond bone broth um, ad, aids as actually fuel source to your enterocytes. So it actually feeds your gut cells and aids in a really good tissue recovery and repair. And L-glutamine has been shown in research to aid with addiction tendencies and cravings. So if you're looking to shift from a processed product diet or relying on fast foods or a dirty keto and shifting to a clean whole foods approach, the GI lining support might be a really good way to help with the cravings as well as also repairing the damaged gut. Yes. So kind of a two-for-one product, if you will, both helping with sugar cravings and aiding in gut support. All right, so fail number four, eating dirty keto or not supporting our detox pathways. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, so we started talking about this uh, early on, and you know, I've been using nutritional ketosis clinically since 2009, so it feels like forever and a day, um, but that was one of the biggest pitfalls that we would see with any sort of weight loss process. Individuals lose weight, right? They kind of have that honeymoon phase, and then either habits fall off, but some stick the course and start to get signs of hormone imbalance, start to get all of a sudden body composition change that's unfavorable, um, and they tend to get symptoms of liver enzymes going up or other signs of toxicity. And the dance is that if we are losing body weight from our fat stores, which is ideal, that's the goal of body composition change, maintain your muscle mass, lose from the fat, we have to acknowledge that our fat cells actually themselves are estrogenic, 
and excess circulating estrogen can stress the liver alone. Um, and so these adipocytes or body fat cells that are lysed or broken in the fat loss process will aid in increasing our estradiol or circulating estrogen levels. And we also know that a lot of toxins, especially industrialized toxins in our environment, which would be in our air, water, and just our living environment, a lot of these are fat soluble. So a lot of these volatile organic compounds are going to be stored in our body fat as well as endocrine disrupting compounds, which can be found in our plastics, our perfumes, and our pesticides. So, you know, non-organic foods and such. So when we're looking at that weight loss process, every time we lose about 10% of our body fat. So if you're talking about someone who's in the 190s and they lost, you know, 19 pounds, we'd be looking at highly recommending doing a 10 our 10-day 10 real food detox using those detox packs. And we talk about the mechanisms of this liver support and the importance of detox with keto in episode 84. It's called The Importance of Detox on Keto. Um, let's talk, Becky, also how not just this quarterly detox is important, but how we support detox ongoing with some of our food as medicine goals in the way that we approach keto eating, if you will. Yeah. So I think an entire class we focus pretty much on, on detox, um, toward the end of our program. And, um, Throughout, we are emphasizing eating cruciferous vegetables, so things like cauliflower, broccoli, collard greens, asparagus, um, and other detox-supporting compounds from our leafy greens. We're bringing in aliums to support detoxification throughout the program. So a lot of times, I think keto, we get into this like, uh, where's my meat? Where's my fat? And you know, it's like bacon and bacon and bacon, and we're not doing those vegetables along with it. So I think, you know, just by virtue of including those within your process, you are supporting detoxification ongoing. You're getting those, you know, um, excessive estrogen removing compounds, if you will. Yeah. So getting those I3Cs and the sulfur, as Becky said, from cruciferous, focusing on the aliums is another area of focus. And then we do start right off the bat with two to three cups of greens for every participant because greens are just such a great, not only delivery of folate and magnesium, but they're really good binders also for bile. Uh, greens also can drive that uh, biliary function, liver bile flow, uh, which can help with bowel formation, but also that activation process of detoxification. So uh, we also promote using the detox packs um, at bed if incorporating wine or knowing that you're doing other lifestyle toxins throughout this program. And then for individuals that have a known history of estrogen dominance or are in a time of hormone change, Brocco detox can be a really great way to ensure that we are getting that estrogen regulation and also enhancing our antioxidant capacity, which can be really supportive um, to fight against uh, breast cancer and other hormone-related cancers in the body. Yeah, and when we come across someone who's you know come to a stall in their process, or maybe they're not seeing ketone production anymore, oftentimes a ten-day detox or just bringing in those detox packs is our first go-to intervention if nothing else is is working. And we will often see just by virtue of bringing in those detox packs alone, you're unburdening the liver a little bit, yeah. and you start to see ketones coming up again. Yeah, the liver makes ketones. So yeah. if the liver is overwhelmed, you're going to see unfavorable lipids. I think that's another important thing sure. to note. If all 
all of a sudden, a lot of people will see improvements in their cholesterol metabolism, but all of a sudden over time, again, if that fat liberation of estrogen and toxins is circulating and not excreted, then over time that can also negatively impact their lipid profile or the cholesterol. So doing that uh, detox support can really aid in pushing the reset button, giving the nutrients that the liver requires for optimal function. And so each pack has three different compounds. There is an antioxidant blend, and then there is a phase one detox blend, which are the nutrients that aid in tonifying the liver, aiding in the hydroxylation or conversion of your fat-soluble toxins to water solubility. So there's things like milk thistle seed and artichoke in there and uh, beetroot powder, uh, turmeric, and um, other antioxidant blends in the antioxidant, including EGCG and pomegranate. And then in the uh, phase two product, which is our ultimate detox in these packs, we incorporate three of these pills per pack so that you're getting a good dominance of that excretion pathway. That's where we get that encapsulation excretion, which really supports the true reset versus just, again, kind of circulating these toxins. And that's why it's a detox, not like a juice cleanse, something that just has the antioxidant boost. Right. All right. So pitfall number five, not getting enough Protein. I think this is a big one when we go back to, you know, looking at that like perfect pie chart of keto. Oftentimes we rescue people who are having hair loss and eating like 45 grams of protein or something super low like that. Yeah, most definitely. I find that that's one that's often underdone. And again, you know, keto itself is somewhat muscle sparing. We do see an increase of HGH when an individual is doing a ketogenic diet, especially if they're doing intermittent fasting, which can spare muscle mass or prevent muscle wasting. However, you still have to feed muscle to repair muscle if you're working out and you do need amino acids for neurotransmitters. And that's a really important thing to note. Um, I think that there's a misnomer that protein intake could drive transamination or this conversion of amino acids into glucose. And yes, as we have acknowledged in our first Jillian Michaels rebuttal, you know, carbohydrates are not an essential nutrient because we can go through the process of gluconeogenesis. So we can make glucose from non-carb energy substrates. And that's why we're not worried about a long-term keto diet on glands like the thyroid, right? We've talked about how for thyroid function, we actually need some glucose or the brain runs on glucose and ketones. Well, when you're doing keto, remember your glucose levels don't just zero out. You know, they're generally not going to drop below 55. They're generally going to stay between kind of the higher 60s to, to upwards of higher 80s. And in some individuals, more 70s to 100 um, throughout the day it just kind of depends on the activity factor and other metabolic factors. But with that being said, it's very rare that protein is going to spill into glucose production on a level that would negatively impact your glucose levels if still doing a carb-restricted diet. I'm more worried about excessive protein in powdered refined forms that could stress the kidneys over time. And this is when we're doing like a high volume of protein shakes. Now, with that being said, I'm more concerned about a protein isolate 
than like our non-denatured grass-fed whey. Because again, if we're looking to get ample protein and our appetite is minimal or moderate at best, and we really want every participant in our program, including ourselves, to get a minimum of 60 grams of protein a day, for many actually upwards of 80 as a minimum. I know I personally feel best around 70, otherwise I start to get kind of a tenderness in my macro muscles, like my biceps and my quads, and I start to get brain fog if I fall a couple days under 60. Um, we really want to make sure that you're getting these these minimums. And so if you are doing intermittent fasting, um, it might be hard to, to get in enough protein throughout your day. You might be just doing that you know, dinner uh, with your partner at the end of the day, and then maybe like an adult lunchable kind of thing. So maybe you do need a grass-fed protein shake as a mid-afternoon snack, um, or a little bit earlier in your day as like a pre-breaking your fast and using that to break your fast maybe. So the non-denatured grass-fed whey is key in the sense that it is not isolated. Um, so you're going to get a whole food form, but still very biologically available. And our naturally nourished grass-fed whey, be that it's non-denatured, means that it's low heat extracted. So it actually retains all of the immunoglobulins, which is why we really promote it even in like our kids' essential bundle when we're talking about immune season. The number one thing I think for children after we talk vitamin D and getting their general nutrient status um, in, a, in a multi and a probiotic, I suppose, um, is to really ensure that they're getting some immunoglobulins, especially if there's anything going on dermatologically or if they're dealing with autoimmune or immune insufficiency like asthma, respiratory stress, allergies. They need more immunoglobulins. These actually teach their immune system to uh, make the compounds that respond to antigens, making the antibodies bodies that the immune system requires as kind of a defense mechanism to uh, basically respond to the foreign invader of the antigen. And so especially if babies weren't breastfed um, or there was stress, getting immunoglobulins is key. So throughout this whole cold and flu and virus uh, season with Stells, we incorporate a half scoop of the grass-fed whey three times a week to ensure she's getting those IgG compounds for gut health and immune health. Yeah, something I've been really loving doing um, now that I'm back in clinic is doing kind of a midday shake because I don't always have time to eat a meal and breastfeeding. We know there's increased calorie demands. I've been doing like our almond butter and chocolate shake from our Eat Fat Get Skinny keto ebook or like a lean green, I think it's called, um, shake midday kind of as that pre-lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been doing, I usually do in clinic, like a between lunch and dinner deal where I, I like to get greens in that way and I'll do a green smoothie and I throw in a scoop of that grass fed way and it really sits well with me and I can feel my brain light up. So when you're dealing with brain fog or hair loss, those are the two big things I'd really call to, to ensure you're getting enough protein. All right. We're halfway through fall number five. Hopefully you guys are still with us. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, NutriSense. Yes, so this couldn't be a better sponsor for our mid-roll as NutriSense provides continuous glucose monitor products that provide you with real-time glucose data. So each sensor is going to last 14 days um, and they provide you an easy to use phone app that helps you to combine and visualize your glucose data throughout the day, nonstop, continuous. So you get to see the impact of sleep and stress and exercise as well as food. And their team is fantastic providing personalized recommendations throughout your wearing window um, on how you can improve your health or how you can toggle and get better outcomes with that CGM. 
So when we're looking at understanding where our body might be resistant or kicking itself out of ketosis, or if we're dealing with you know fasting blood sugar level elevation and want to know what's going on during our sleep window, the NutriSense is amazing because it really takes out the guesswork from the variables that you're doing into the expression of what's happening metabolically in your body. Um, I've seen awesome clinical outcomes with individuals that have worn these, even clients that I've been working with for seven years or more, as this being the really clear-cut transparency mm-hmm. beyond you know those finger sticks where you can only really reasonably ask for four to six a day and that's a lot of sticking yeah oh yeah (laughs) it doesn't feel good Um, whereas the CGM I showed you guys on my Instagram um, and Becky's going to be doing one shortly Um, so I think we'll probably add a YouTube video on actually how you um, get it on your arm it's quite pain-free I much prefer it to the multiple sticks of a finger glucometer and I found such valuable data the biggest aha moment that we shared during my podcast episode which I'll link also of when I wore the CGM for two weeks was that stress was the biggest influencing factor. And yeah, maybe I would acknowledge that, but seeing that really helped me to make some recalibration with my schedule and my supplement regimen to really ensure I'm more proactive on that bubble wrap versus, you know, white knuckling and muscling it. Cause seeing the data and saying, Whoa, my body is shooting up blood sugar to 140 in clinic when I'm stressed out. But yet when I'm looking at, you know, a weekend, I'm in a really beautiful space. That's empowering enough for, for me to say, okay, I need some serious lifestyle intervention. So I hope you too will get amazing outcomes and information when you check out NutriSense. Go on over to NutriSense.io. So that's N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E.io. That's their website. And you use the code ALIRD. That's just A-L-I-R-D. This will give you $30 off a monthly per- subscription plan. Um, And this will allow you to really see with real-time data what your blood sugar levels look like. Again, it is NutriSense.io. Use AllieRD at checkout. And I am sure that you will find some valuable information with what your blood sugar looks like for a 14-day wear. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to my 14-day trial. And I wish I had had the sense to do this back when I was doing the finger pricks for my um, gestational diabetes screen, it would have been so much easier because I was pricking myself four times a day and it was not fun. And you get to a point where you're like, I don't even have any finger real estate left that (laughs) hasn't been pricked, right? Well, and the reality of, like I said, you know, in the episode when I wore it, you can't cherry pick the data, you know? So it is good to see in real time effects and also like the impact, um, you know, I noticed with lifestyle, with alcohol consumption, you know, if blood sugar levels drop in the middle of the night, not when you're pregnant obviously, but yep. <laughs> yep. separate lifestyle. Um, it's just really cool to see the big picture grand scheme. And um, I think that even those of us that are data nerds, we still do a little bit of the veiling of the cherry picking. And sure. so having that accountability, that's what I found with clients for seven years. The ones that like, okay, for 14 days, Allie's watching me. Holy cow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot of um, accountability for sure. Totally. All right. Pitfall number six, not being intuitive and being married to macros. So we've hit on this a little bit, um, but oftentimes we do, you know, in our uh, first couple of weeks of our keto program, we do have folks calculate their macros and start using a tracker just to kind of get a feel. But after that, I think, you know, there's something to be said about allowing that to bridge into intuitive eating. 
Yeah, that's where we really see the longest sustained outcomes when individuals can say, okay, this is what this looks like and feels like, which they have to do. Like, you know, if you don't know what 30 grams of carbs Mm -hmm. looks like, you want to track a couple days and say, okay, aha. Um, Or how does it, how do you get those 80 grams of protein we just mentioned? Like, is that eating, you know, one ounce equals seven grams. So that means we'd have to have a six ounce burger patty at dinner. And then we'd also have to have a five ounce portion of protein at lunch. And maybe that individual's only getting two ounces and that's where they know they need that 24 gram scoop of grass fed whey. So yes, you do have to track and you do have to understand what you're putting in your body and you know what that looks like in a macro distribution to understand if you need more protein, less fat, and if you need to further restrict carbs or if you have more metabolic flexibility. But like we said, um, emailing us and saying it's 8 p.m., I'm not hungry, and I have 300 calories of fat to fit in, um, (laughs) that's being too married to your macros. So there's times that we have to really listen to hunger and satiety signaling and understand that like even with women's hormones, every month if you're a menstruating female, you're going to have fluctuations of various thermogenic output or caloric burn based on what your body's doing. So, you know, that final week leading into your menstrual cycle and that luteal phase one week prior to your period, you're burning an extra 300 calories in your body. So if you're dealing with like white knuckling and saying, oh, that last week leading up to my period is hell. I'm so angry. Well, maybe you're hangry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like maybe you just need to have a little bit more of intake and maybe you, that is a time to do like a cacao truffle fat bomb, you know, like that might be a time where you use almond butter and maca and um, cacao and um, a little bit of coconut oil and you freeze those into these little, you know, 200 calorie truffles. And that's a really nice delight for those days leading in. So being dynamic is really important. And this also means if you're fasting perpetually, maybe you incorporate an abundance and a refeed day because this can actually help your thyroid to say, oh, she's not chronically calorie restricting. We don't have to suppress this metabolic gland of the thyroid we can actually keep burning because look, she's fed, she's safe. Um, So even pulling in some abundance refeed days can be something that you would think of as far as being intuitive. And then the idea of carb cycling, you know, maybe even your carb cycling is intuitive. So you might try after a month or two of keto following our approach. If again, if cycling as a female, maybe around 19 and 20, maybe around day one and two of your cycle, um, listen to our carb cycling episode. I believe it's episode 75. Um, and it's called something like carb cycling, um, and keto. And that's where we talk about the connection of sex hormones and leptin and this satiety hormone balance. And even within your carb cycling, you might be intuitive though. Like you might find after six months of using carb cycling, one cycle, you're not feeling carb cravings, but at day 23 you do. And, and unbeknownst to you, your cycle's three days extra long. And so your body told you where it needed to be. Yep. Yep. And I think that's the really beautiful thing of, yes, starting with a tight approach. Yes, starting with the macros so you know what it looks like, but then really tapping back in and and starting to, you know, get fine-tuned to those signals of your body. Like actually knowing what hunger feels like is a feedback that we get all the time from our keto program. Yeah. And there's different hormetic influences of feeling hunger and also feeling satiety. When we look at various, you know, hormones in the body beyond leptin, things like ghrelin and, um, you know, our various incretin factors and such, 
And there's hormetic stress that shifts from, again, the shakeup of those. So you don't want to run chronically hungry. You don't want to run chronically satiety, you know, satiety or satiated. You want to mix it up for best metabolic impact. And if you're looking at exploring your metabolic flexibility and um, or you're struggling with fasting blood sugar levels that aren't coming down, that's where I'd really play with the berberine boost. So berberine boost um, incorporates, of course, Berberine HCL is one of the primary compounds, as well as Coptis, which is known as Golden Thread, which has fantastic immunological support as well as skin support. We see great outcomes with eczema and psoriasis with that Coptis ingredient added in there. And the berberine itself is an oral hypoglycemic, so it will bring down your blood sugar levels, which can help postprandially, meaning after meal. So if you're doing a carb cycle, you might still bring in that berberine boost if you don't want as dynamic of a blood sugar spike, or if you wanted the carb cycle for therapeutic nutrient, but you didn't want that blood sugar influx at all. Um, so, you know, depending on the impact you're looking with your blood sugar, you might bring in one or two berberine boost at that meal, or you might bring it in more regularly if you're seeing elevated blood sugar levels and you need an herbal tool to help with bringing that blood sugar level under control. Um, we've talked about in studies how berberine has actually been compared to metformin in its mechanism of action and successful clinical results. Yeah, and that's something you and I will pulse in like when we do a higher carb day or an intentional carb cycle or maybe we have a family gluten-free pizza night or something like that. Yeah, and I'll even bring it in you know, pretty regularly because of the endometriosis history and kind of just keeping the uterine tissue toned. Um, we talked about the big impact on uh, berberine and uterine fibroids and also, you know, the sex hormone balancing impact that it has and, and the roles with infertility go beyond the oral hypoglycemic, you know, metformin is used as the tool with infertility, sure. but it is also actually hitting on a tissue level, which is important for women to note. Yep. All right. Number seven, being undernourished or ignoring our micronutrient deficiencies. I think this is a big one. Again, when we get into like pie chart and then like eating the same keto meals every single day, we can miss out on a lot of valuable micronutrients. Yeah. And again, if we're not getting a lot of the diversity of our phyto compounds or antioxidants, you know, yes, you can get antioxidants in animal products, um, especially things like CoQ10, but we will see things like, you know, selenium levels going lower, or we will see glutathione or cysteine levels lower. And so we do like to ensure that in any diet approach, keto or not, we're always looking at micronutrients as a tool of really feeding the body for optimal function. So a great insurance policy is the multi-defense, which is a multivitamin that you would do just the multi-defense as is, um, if not menstruating, if menstruating, or if a known case of anemia or iron deficiency, you would do the multi-defense with iron. Um, and then also some individuals, of course, would be doing our multi-velmama as an option mm -hmm if looking to conceive within a year's time or currently pregnant or breastfeeding. But a quality multi-nutrient uh, support is always a good insurance policy. And I would say, if you're thinking of doing micronutrient testing, you should at least be taking a multi for four to six months to sure. kind of get those levels up and provide that broad spectrum coverage. And what's unique about all of the multis in the Naturally Nourished line is they're all gonna have methylated B vitamins, they're all gonna have key 
accumulated, most bioavailable forms of minerals, and all of them will have much more dynamic trace minerals than you'll find with anything over the counter. So you're going to find iodine and chromium and selenium and these types of things in our multis that you just won't find in a standard, you know, women's over 50 or something like that. Sure. Um, and then we mentioned like the carnitine deficiency being something that can commonly crop up if you've been doing keto long term. So in that case, something like the boost and burn that we mentioned prior um, would be a, a really good tool. Any other like glaring micronutrient deficiencies you see with keto? Well, if we're talking about like energy and metabolism, sure. I would go for the Bs. <laughs> yep. And you know, you and I were always struggling to keep our B vitamins up because we are entrepreneurs that run on stress and adrenaline. <laughs> and uh, well, you just made a baby and all those things yeah. and are feeding a baby. <laughs> um, but you know, I just did my updated nutrient, uh, micronutrient uh, test uh, for the year. Hadn't done one since I believe it was actually I was like a year and a half past due. We'll have to look at those soon, Becky. Yeah, but we should do a whole episode. On B your vitamins lab are review. always an area of need for me. So I realized that I had not really been doing my B complex daily. So I layered the naturally nourished B complex back in, in addition to my multi. And then B12 boost is another one I would say would be worth definitely considering for metabolic support, um, just getting that nice energy enhancement, supporting neurological function, um, but aiding with that metabolic boost is key. All right. Pitfall number eight. I know you've been waiting for this one. <laughs> Non-caloric sweeteners. Yes. So going back to that, is this a chemical shitstorm or is this a real food? Not is this keto, right? Um, so when we're talking about non-caloric sweeteners, some would argue that there are more natural options out there. Um, you know, I, I covered in episode 89 why I hate non-caloric sweeteners. And Becky and I recorded that at KetoCon um, back three years ago now or four years ago. Goodness, Becky. Feels like forever. Yeah, it was the first one I was at. So it was the second one I was at. I don't know. Three? Eighteen. I think it was twenty eighteen. Okay. So about three ago. Yeah. Um, and so in that episode, we do a deep dive on the various mechanisms of why we hate non-caloric sweeteners. And one of them is GLP-1, so the glucagon-like peptidide, which is in our taste receptors in our tongue, as well as um, receptors in our digestive tract. Um, when the tongue tastes sweet, regardless of getting a glucose signal, um, that signals our glucagon or, um, and our, and our, uh, glucose signal pathways in the body and can actually drive an insulin response in the body. Um, so we can see individuals that actually have non-caloric sweeteners going hypoglycemic or having blood sugar crashes and that driving imbalance in their body because that taste of sweet drives an insulin release and that insulin brings their blood sugar level lower and that insulin didn't need to be released in the first place. The idea of keto is both to keep your blood sugar level stable and also to reduce insulin demand and signaling. So we don't want that doorbell, if you will, of we've been fed because that can also increase cravings and appetite we've seen. And we've seen study after study showing people that do diet products actually tend to hold more body weight. And part of that could also be attributed to the microbiome. So we know that non-caloric sweeteners actually are bacteriostatic or can sterilize the gut microbiome. Whereas again, when you're using these whole food sweeteners, you're going to get some therapeutic support actually aiding in balancing out the microbiome. And things like tannins in like raspberries can actually fight against pathogen um, and bacteria imbalance, where again, the fiber in our bananas and our dates and such. Um, we know honey as well is a prebiotic, can actually feed the good gut flora. 
Sure. And we just did a recent YouTube also on um, what is a real food, or I guess it was not as recent. It was like one of our first <laughs> YouTube episodes. Um, I'll link that though. What is a whole food and why we hate non-caloric sweeteners or why they still suck. I think yeah. it's called. <laughs> it's one of my favorite to send yep. to like a friend of like, I don't know. These girls said it. Just check it out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And I think if you're looking for a tool to break up with like sugary cravings beyond the GI lining support that I mentioned with that L-glutamine aiding in addiction tendency, GABACalm would be a good consideration as well. Um, GABACalm can aid in urgency and impulse. You know, GABA is that inhibitory compound that aids with that like freight train of the steam train of the, the stress in the brain, kind of allowing that release, if you will, on the valve. Um, and I will say that GABA Calm is in a chewable form as well. So it can kind of aid as a slowdown if looking at going for an impulse. Okay. And then number nine would be hydration and electrolyte balance. This is a big one that we see, especially in those first like two weeks um, where we're seeing more like increased symptoms of keto flu. So let's talk about just the mechanism, why that happens, and then we can troubleshoot it a little. Yes. So it's important to always acknowledge that our glycogen storage, which is the storage of our glucose, uh, predominantly in the liver and the muscle, hold water with the storage of carbohydrates. So you think of the word carbohydrate, there's the word hydrate right in there. Um, and so when we do get glycogen stores depleted through the process of A, restricting carbohydrates and all the circulating glucose uh, metabolized, and then those glycogen stores, we do get this this depletion of fluid and this whooshing effect, if you will, on the scale. That's where people will see like five to seven pounds in the first week of keto, you know, likely three to four of those pounds are water weight. Now they may over the following weeks then convert that to be true loss from body fat, but majority of it is water. So to offset that whooshing and the dehydration and electrolyte instability that can occur, we really ensure that participants are drinking at least half of their fluid ounces, half of their body weight in fluid ounces of water. So if 160 pounds, getting at least 80 fluid ounces daily. And then it's important to not just drink spring water, um, which is our favorite form over like those pH waters and whatnot. I'm a big fan of the Mountain Valley spring water, which is in the glass globes. Um, I can link that here because you guys are always asking when you see my water jugs. Um, but beyond just drinking spring water, which is the best, you do want to be mindful of electrolytes as well, because if you are over hydrating and not providing magnesium, not providing potassium, not providing a good electrolyte stability, you're going to get further dilution with that water. And then that can drive like hyponatremia or not enough sodium. We can see more nausea, we can see dizziness, and that can exacerbate the quote unquote keto flu. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. And and we have a great YouTube on that actually that we recently put out. It's called um, Five Ways to Combat Keto Flu, I think, or something. Cope with Keto Cope Flu. With keto yeah. flu. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and I think one of our favorite tools here would be our Relax and Regulate product. So this is going to be magnesium bisglycinate as well as inositol. But that magnesium is oftentimes something that we need to ramp up when we are experiencing these after effects of, of the keto flu. So it can be really helpful with the achiness, um, 
both in the body and headaches as well. For sure. Um, but if we're getting any like cramping, Charlie horses, that's often my first go-to supplement. Yeah. And good to note that the Relax and Regulate far superior over like the Calm product on the market, which is the, you know, cylinder of magnesium citrate, um, or various other forms of over-the-counter magnesium because that bisglycinate is much more neurologically available. So more for the neuromuscular system, it doesn't have the osmotic fluid loss in the colon. Um, a lot of the other magnesiums work as like a, um, osmotic flusher creating like looser stool. So the relax and regulate should not cause that diarrhea or flushing. And also the form of the glycinate glycine again is an amino acid that can help with body fat burn. So when transitioning into keto or trying to use fat as fuel, the water itself helps in a process called lipolysis where the water actually lyses or breaks our fat cells. It's required for that biochemical, um, actual conversion or breakdown of body fat. So you need that hydration, but then having the magnesium bisglycinate from the relax and regulate gives you that glycine, which further accelerates the ability of the body to burn fat. Yes. And then making sure you're using ample salt, I think would be another one of our tools, um, for combating those symptoms, but we'll let y'all go to the YouTube video for the rest of them. Yes. That sounds good. And then number 10, you alluded to this with your CGM story. Yes. The role of stress or not taking into account, I guess, the role of stress within your keto. Yeah. So when an individual is doing the boost and burn, which has that L-carnitine and they're doing, you know, our starting keto protocol and they're still not producing keto ketones, generally speaking, they're probably going to have some level of adrenal insufficiency and too low of DHEA. DHEA is a hormone that's made by the adrenal glands. So the medulla of our adrenal gland and the cortex of our adrenal gland make different compounds. And in the cortex, we make our cortisol, aldosterone, and our DHEA. DHEA is a steroid that can convert to estrogen or testosterone. It has many mechanisms of action action aiding with even brain stem cell like function and anti-aging metabolic properties but it is essential in the production of ketones so when individuals have been under high stress for a period of time often the DHEA levels may have been elevated at some point that's actually why keto can be so therapeutic with like PCOS we'll often see women with elevated DHEA and we'll look into insulin resistance and recommend nutritional ketosis to metabolize that down but if having had done keto for a long period of time and under stress, I always make sure that you annually at least look into your DHEA hyphen S, which is DHEA sulfate in the blood, or you look at your DHEA with a neurohormone complete plus panel, which also looks at your sex hormones and can also look at your cortisol because some individuals in stress will have low DHEA, but excessive cortisol. So they're dealing with that stubborn belly fat, that anxiety, insomnia, but if they still have low resilience tolerance and can't get that keto high. Totally. And then a couple of tools um, there, I think are calm and clear if you're on the high end of the spectrum with cortisol, or if you tend toward more that stressed and wired, that's the one I see that's really a turnkey for so many people who are like, I just can't produce ketones. I've done everything else that you've said. I've tested my DHEA. It's normal. 
Um, oftentimes the common clear by bringing that in literally start producing ketones or their ketones go way up within a couple of days. Yeah. If the body doesn't feel safe, it's going to suppress mechanisms of metabolism. And that's just one of those ways. So by bringing in that calm and clear with the phosphatidylserine, which aids in blocking excessive cortisol signaling and the L-theanine, which modulates the neurotransmitters in the brain, balancing out the excitatory as well as the more, um, calmative. And then there is the blend of the nervine and adaptogenic herbs, which really aid in also orchestrating that balance in the brain and the body. So calm and clear is for sure like my desert island supplement and um, I would say adaptogen boost is another one as well with the cordyceps rhodiola and ginseng blend Um, that would especially be a fit if dealing with chronic fatigue or you know burnout or um, not getting that keto high and also trying to preserve those adrenal glands and you can use those both in combination sure Absolutely. Awesome tools. Yes. So that's a lot with 10 fails. Um, When reflecting back, Becky, like maybe not now because you're just kind of getting back in or maybe now, I don't know, um, or your keto history or when you first went keto, what were some of, what was maybe one aha moment or connection that you made? Well, even just getting back in in the last like week or so, I would say the biggest one for me is the electrolyte and hydration status. And I think you know, this goes back to my history with adrenal fatigue that I find I'm just someone whose electrolytes get really easily thrown off. Um, and I have to be really, really mindful and proactive or else I do for sure get that like keto flu, brain foggy, kind of burned out fatigue. Um, so I've been, you know, just in the past week and getting back into keto, being really mindful. I'm actually adding, um, in addition to my relax and regulate every night, um, I'm doing a little bit of the light balance, like a cap full, um, of that in my big water bottle. I'm drinking so much water right now, breastfeeding anyway. Um, so I just kind of dump that in all day long and, um, you know, with breastfeeding and and kind of that dynamic output, it's going to be interesting this time around to really observe those hydration shifts and um, kind of figure out some additional tweaks because I can already feel it. I'm thirsty a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting that relax and regulate can actually be one for women that weren't taking it and are breastfeeding can help with milk production as well. That myo inositol has been shown to aid um, with breast milk production. So if you are noticing reduced outcomes, one thing I would note is our program actually has a phase where you start at a phase 1.5 instead of the really strict phase one. And we want you to more start to kind of add fat and adjust things versus go to that tight 30 grams of carbs because you are just more thermogenic. You're burning more calories and you're going to make ketones likely at like 60 gram of carbs versus that tight 30. So we do have a lot of modifications there. Yep. And I've been doing a lot of the fond bone broth, like probably a solid jar daily, um, really ramping up my Redmond real salt and going to the grocery store today, get some avocados and, um, lemons to kind of add that in as a, a snack, a little half avocado with a pinch of sea salt and some lemon juice. Um, so I'll report back on all my findings once I'm a couple more weeks in. I love that. That's a good one to go for, for sure. All right. How about you? So mine vacillate from the role of stress ongoing, I swear, like I said, from even the realization a couple months back with my CGM, uh, I just was not aware of how dynamic stress impacted my blood sugar levels. And we've talked in past episodes about how, you know, cortisol is a glucocorticoid. So again, regardless of how clean your diet and how much you're moving your body, if you are having peaks of stress, 
stress and going into that survival fight or flight mode, that will dump glucose into your bloodstream. So I did double down on my calm and clear. I had gotten kind of lazy, I guess, and was only taking four. So now I'm back up to seven or eight a day. And I'd say the other big one that nips me in the bud, like I acknowledged, was the protein. Um, I get a little burned out from like meats. I, c- I can do in and out on, as far as like the pork rinds and the sausages and, um, you know, chops, beef sticks and things like that. And then I get like a six week run where I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. After like six weeks of consistently like craving those types of things, I just get like a visceral like, nope, can't do it. And that's where I really have to make sure I don't forget to have protein and I go for that grass fed whey at that time. Um, Cause often I'll have an interim of like a week where I don't replace it. I just kind of phase it out and go for more like avocado or pickled vegetables or just like two eggs and not getting the breakfast sausage as well. And I'll notice that muscle kind of wasting and the tenderness in my macro muscles, as well as some of the brain fog and the just mental burnout. And I know right away that that's the protein. So totally being vigilant with that grass fed away, I think. And, and that's why I think tracking and being accountable to your intake is a great way to help to define your food freedom, to be empowered by your food decisions of, oh, when I get ample protein, I feel on fire. Um, you know, when I don't fuel myself with ample protein, Protein, I feel this. So it's that fine line of not getting too neurotic and too married to your numbers, but using the information to empower you to maintain an evolution with your food as medicine process. Yes. So hopefully these 10 pitfalls help you guys to kind of troubleshoot your keto and figure out maybe where things have gone a little bit astray, can rein it back in or use some of these tools to help you keto to the max. Um, Like we said at the beginning, we still have a couple spots left. If you do want to jump in before the end of the month, head on over to AllieMillerRD slash ketosis class to sign up and you can catch up in your virtual classroom. You'll get access right away so you can watch and jump right into the Slack forum and all the things. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.